0: everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is the one and only Wes Hodkiewicz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes says we have to continue to wait, unfortunately, until the Packers coaching hires are official to talk about uh, what is going on, particularly with the defensive coaching staff. I know the fans are very interested to find out exactly how this is going to take shape. But in the meantime, let's talk about defense because – The NFL playoffs are down to the final eight, uh, the last eight standing, and when you look at the teams that are involved and you look at defensive rankings, you've got five of these eight teams are ranked in the top ten in the league in defense. That says something, certainly about how to get this far, particularly for some teams that are in this position and they don't necessarily have that franchise Hall of Fame quarterback running the show on the other side.
1: Minnesota first in total defense, Jacksonville second in total defense, the Philadelphia Eagles fourth in total defense. Of those eight teams, the top three defenses left in the playoffs all have questions at quarterback. And with all due respect to Case Keenum, has had a magnificent run. Right. I don't know how many defensive coordinators out there right now are worried about Case Keenum. Uh, I, I think he's shown that he can manage, he can make plays, but ultimately it's been that Minnesota defense that has put them in positions that even if he has an interception or two in a game, or even if the the percentage, you know, completion percentage isn't where you need it to be, they can still find ways to win because that opposing passer rating is just so gosh darn low. Yeah. Um, but this is, I, I think, told you kind of a blueprint though. At the same time, Mike. More and more with these head coaching hires that are being made, for a while it was kind of in vogue to go after the quarterback guru, and it still is. I mean, you look at um, Nagy now in, in Chicago. They're looking for him to develop Mitchell Trubisky, but there's been some of these guys that have kind of gone against the grain, the Mike Zimmers of the world. Um, mm-hmm. You look at what uh, now, the, the way things have developed in Atlanta and um, in, in what they've put together over the last number of years. I think it says a lot about the direction of the league right now that, yeah, you have these quarterback groups, you have the Doug Petersons of the world now that are leading the charge. But conversely, you also have teams that are trying to find the nice defensive coordinator to be able to, to offset that. It's, I think it's really an interesting cat and mouse game that's played out over the last three, four years.
0: Yeah. I think the most interesting one, uh, to me, when I look at, as you say, over the last few years is what's going on with the Atlanta Falcons, because yeah. you had Matt Ryan, uh, he 's been developed into that franchise quarterback, had some playoff appearances, all of that. Dan Quinn comes in as the head coach and revamps that defense and then builds the, builds the defense right. to go with the franchise quarterback. You know Mike Smith had a lot of success as the head coach in Atlanta, but he didn't he never got them to a Super Bowl, and you know they felt it was time to make a change and they went from from uh, um, a guy like Smith to uh, to Quinn, brought in a lot of those Seattle defensive principles, all of that kind of stuff, and now we're seeing the Falcons obviously get to the Super Bowl last year, should have won it. They're in position now. You know they're they're going to Philadelphia to play what would arguably arguably be maybe the most vulnerable number one seed in the NFC playoffs in recent years because Nick Foles is at quarterback instead of Carson Wentz. Um, the Atlanta Falcons—they've—they've they've got a legitimate shot here to make this, even though they're a six seed, to make this uh, two Super Bowl trips in a row.
1: Yeah, and and that's an opportunity that you can't take lightly. And I just think you see. You know, there's some teams with the counterbalance. the the New England or the New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Patriots, New Orleans Saints <laughs> uh, haven't been one of the top ten defense in the league, but they're substantially, significantly better than what they have. Been yeah, this they have year they have
0: climbed, no doubt.
1: In that regard, New England has the top ranked offense, which allows them to survive the 29th ninth ranked defense. So, seeing how all these things line up, there's been years. I always use the example the 2006 Colts, uh, where you know. Peyton Manning was at the peak of his powers and they were able to offset having the league's worst ranked run defense that season, despite, you know, you know, all the things working against them. Then you look at the 2015 Denver Broncos, how many teams in the NFL would be able to win the Super Bowl with the way that Peyton Manning played that season? Right. Not many. Right. So uh, that that's ultimately for me, now that Julius Peppers is out of this thing, some of the storylines I was looking for in the first week are gone after the wild card round. I'm really interested to see who prevails here because I th- I see this field as very even across the board. So is it a defensive mindset? Is it an offensive mindset like what the Patriots have? Or is it somewhere in between?
0: Right. And I think uh, the, uh, the the conclusion to me out of this discussion is it makes me wonder as far as on paper, and we know the games are not played on paper, but – Does it mean the Pittsburgh Steelers are maybe the favorites to win it all? They've got Roethlisberger, Brown, and Bell on offense, and they have the fifth-ranked defense. Now, that defense is missing Ryan Shazier from that unfortunate injury. That is a huge loss for a defense that is ranked in the top five in the league. So maybe you look at that and say, well, their defense isn't going to be able to perform the way it has for the bulk of the regular season. So it's hard to peg them as the the on-paper favorites. Just really interesting to see how this plays out, especially, I think, in the NFC. You've got these four teams that you can have any one of uh, several different NFC championship game matches, and I, th- I think any one of them is is is, uh, is certainly possible
1: this is why this particular year i'm so interested to see a steelers patriots afc championship game because this year new england's had a lot of problems on defense getting they haven't been able to get home with their pass rush i think some of the things they were hoping for at the cornerback position haven't really come to pass they've been saved in a lot of ways by the fact that they can basically outgun everybody offensively
0: yeah
1: the steelers while it's incredibly tragic and you hope that ryan Shazier is going to be able to walk again live comfortably Beyond what happens with football, but right. Pittsburgh, you know, he had some injury issues in the past, so Pittsburgh's had to learn how to play without him. You, you know, you have, I believe it, it's Vince Williams inside. They have options at that position. They're just so deep at that on defense. Yeah, they are. That I'm very interested to see if they can have that unit come together, be the complement that Ben Roethlisberger needs to go and get that third Super Bowl title.
0: Yeah, well, we'll we've got uh, these these playoff games coming up. We'll talk about them more as the uh, week continues. But for now. We're going to go to a break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkiewicz in that one. And Wes, um, shifting gears here a little bit to go back to the Packers uh, – GM uh, front office situation. We've seen a lot of changes, obviously, and uh, a lot of things to be excited about as we see Brian Gudekunst have to try to fill the very big shoes of Ted Thompson. But in the meantime, the Packers have also lost um, highly ranked personnel executives in Elliott Wolfe and Alonzo Highsmith. They've gone to the Cleveland Browns to work with uh, with former Packers personnel executive John Dorsey. To, uh to rebuild the browns the Owen 16 team here from 2017 there are some big shoes to fill uh, just under new GM Brian Gutekunst, aren't there
1: yeah there are and I mean you look at the the combined years that Elliot um, Wolf and, and Alonzo Highsmith had here I mean Highsmith, Again, is another one of those proteges for Ron Wolf that got an opportunity in the late '90s and and really made the most of it. You know, we we talk so often about the Donald Driver story, his first couple of years and being able to to scout and to, you know see the talent in him when they send him down to Elkhorn State. I mean, some of these remote places. When you hear Brian Gudikunz talk about. You know, they want to leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. That's why, because you never know when you're going to find a Donald Driver in the seventh round. You never know where you're going to get that next diamond that can make a Super Bowl championship team, a, a playoff contending team. Yeah. Uh, from Ellie Wolf's perspective, I mean, the word wunderkind has been thrown out there a lot uh, in terms of you hear the stories of him at 14 years old, you know, going through cut-ups with his dad. Uh, and, and the one thing I think Ron has always talked about since day one is that Elliot didn't do this on the back of Ron Wolf. It may have helped him get a foot in the door, yep. but everything he did since 2004, since he came on board as a as a scout and personnel assistant, he's worked his way up the ladder ever since then. Two guys that had a lot to do with what the Packers were able to do, not only in building that Super Bowl 45 team, but every year in the draft and develop system, being able to find that next gem. That the Packers are going to be able to develop. Uh, it's It's a big hole uh, for Green Bay to to fill now, and, and Brian Gutekunst said when he was meeting with the media on Monday he hoped to have Elliott back as his right-hand man, but wasn't going to hold him back from any other opportunity. You look at where they're at right now, he has confidence. He said right from that moment that if Elliott does move on, if they do need to make changes there, he likes the Rolodex, he has a list of scouts that he's already looking at, yeah. and feels like they'll still be able to keep this train moving
0: yeah and let's just say too that uh, that opportunity in Cleveland as I said uh, on on our website this week that's a talent evaluators dream yeah absolutely what, what Dorsey and Highsmith and Wolf are are walking into there you've got a young roster already you have a ton of cap space to be able to uh, to be able to build around. And in this upcoming draft, they have five picks in the first two rounds. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, yes, it's an 0-16 team. We get that. But this is this is a franchise that is that is set up for a quick turnaround, in my opinion. You hit on some draft picks, you have cap money to spend on free agents, and you find a quarterback. Now, those are all big tasks. But the Cleveland Browns are not as far away as a, an 0-16 team, you would think.
1: Yeah, and I, I was talking to a talent evaluator in the league earlier this week, and the phrase that they use to describe it is it's a sleeping giant in Cleveland because mm-hmm. they, did have I think t- so. they had a top 10, top 12 defense this year. They really were hurting at the quarterback position. That's nothing against Deshaun Kaiser. Tough situation for him to be thrown into. But a lot of people think if you can get a quarterback there, and John Dorsey is one of the best when it comes to seeking out quarterback help and finding a way to get a team really in fourth year in yeah. terms of a turnaround. He did exactly that in Kansas City. That particular year draft when he went there, there wasn't a bona fide number one overall quarterback. Trades a second-round pick to get Alex Smith, and then this last year trading for Patrick Mahomes, who very well may end up being their quarterback of the future they 're going to look to do the same thing, and he 's going to have two really good talent evaluators and Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf to help him find that next guy, two picks in the first four they'll have options.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And with regards to the Packers and trying to fill those shoes, the fans are asking, well, you know, who are the next guys coming up the pipeline? We'll see what Brian Gutekunst decides as you said, you know, he's got that Rolodex of all kinds of contacts around the league, people he might look at bringing in. People in-house right now, you have John Eric Sullivan who's the director of college scouting. He's been with the Packers since 2003 or 4, yeah. right around there. 2004. And then uh um and then you also have John Wojciechowski, if I'm saying that name correctly. He's only been with the Packers for about five or six years now, but. He is a uh, he's a longtime scout who began his scouting career around the same time that Gutikuns did. So, um, a lot of experience there in the next two lieutenants, so to speak, who are uh, who are in the pipeline. And we'll just see what uh, we'll see what the new GM decides to do in terms of how he wants to uh, to structure what's going to be his personnel department.
1: Yeah, and I mean you look even further down that list too. Matt Malaspina has a lot of experience in the NFL. He's now a college scout. Joined the Packers last year. Alonzo Dotson's been with them now for the past. Pack- five season a scout up here in the Midwest and uh you know Sam Seal we talk about every year in the draft their their West Coast region scout does a tremendous job. Yeah, Definitely options from that regard. I think the other thing to consider too in sort of that Mike Spofford let's be real moment of the week, these are scenarios Brian Gudicunt was gonna have to talk out with Mark Murphy. Yep. Because you knew what the domino effect might be of him becoming GM. Elliott Wolf might leave. You didn't know what was going to happen with some of those personnel people so I have a feeling, while I do not know this, I have a feeling that there is a plan laid out, there is an agenda. Much like when a, a college head coach moves in, kind of letting people know you know, who I might be looking at to join me, I, I feel pretty comfortable if I'm a Packers fan right now and what Brian Gutekunst is going to be able to do to rearrange that front office. Yeah,
0: you know he's been thinking through these Absolutely. scenarios because the bottom line is the Packers went into this with four people perfectly, highly qualified to be general managers in this league. Alonzo Highsmith, Elliott Wolf, Brian Gutekunst, and Russ Ball. You knew, I mean, when you're in a situation like that and you have that many qualified people, they are not all going to stay if they don't get the job. And the Packers managed to keep two of them, and the other two left and moved on to another opportunity. So uh, um, lots of of change going on, but lots to be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. With that, we'll toss it to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. And Wes, Packers new GM Brian Gutekunst wasted uh, no time, I guess, with, uh, with inking his first player. The, his first official transaction as general manager occurs on Wednesday. He signs a young running back, a Northern Illinois product, and I'll try to pronounce the name correctly. It's Joel Buanyol. And uh, an undrafted player from a year ago who tried to make it with the uh, Chicago Bears, but then was injured and, and placed on IR. Packers are going to give him a shot. And uh, if you haven't seen the picture of uh, of kunst and his uh, and his first signing, it's on uh, Packers.com. It's also on the Packers Twitter account. One of those historical things, you know, moments in time, you just never know,
1: right? Yeah, and it was funny. I, I had the same reaction. I saw it on Twitter quite a bit, too. When Packers announce a transaction, they always say, okay, the Packers have signed so and so. The transaction was announced by who the GM was. So it was very interesting uh, that first time seeing Brian Gudekunst's name there yeah. and not Ted Thompson. First time in 13 years yeah. uh, that that happened. Um, yeah, it's interesting for the young man. A great opportunity. And for, for Kunst. This shows you that he's thinking you know that that they're they're always considering those u f a s and we'll see what this young man can do. he'll have an opportunity to come in this off season, you know probably you know something can always happen, but i mean otherwise he'll be back in April and a chance to compete and make this roster. I think the thing that stands out to me the most, and sometimes people ask this question: Well, why why do these transactions matter? Who who cares? You know, who they sign to futures contracts. Well, at the end of March last year, nobody was talking about Justin McCray. I even somewhat wrote that off, other than the fact that his brother had been here before. Justin McCray ends up starting eight games. You don't know where you're going to get contributions, and yep. that's why when you have a 90 man roster, you'll see these teams really maximize that. They'll sign guys from their practice squad, but they'll also go and find other guys that maybe they brought in for a pre draft. Visit, uh, Buonio was one of those guys last year. The Packers had in for a pre-draft visit. Okay, so there is a history there. It's not that they just are like throwing a dart at the board and being like, "Yeah, let's bring yep. that young who's man." M- in. Who's
0: my first signing? Let's just sign somebody. Yeah, yeah that's not how it works. So
1: but. it's it's a thought process that they're constantly going through. Obviously, the Bears thought enough of him to bring him into camp, give him that chance. Injury happens; he's out. But uh, I, I think this shows you again that that pro- we're, we're two months away from free agency. We're a month and a half away from basically the uh, you know NFL scouting combine but if you're a GM in the league you're always thinking you're always trying to find that next guy
0: yeah and it is about building that most competitive 90-man roster that you can I'm curious that you know that this first transaction happens at running back because obviously the Packers have <laughs> a young stable yeah. of backs and uh, and let's uh let's talk about that a little bit more but we'll go to a break for now back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here. Wes Hodkowitz all the way over there. And Wes, with regards to the running back situation, as I said, it's kind of curious that uh that new GM Brian Gutekunst's first signing is a running back because if there's one area that one position that you think um may not get a whole lot of attention from the Packers in this upcoming draft, it's running back because right. of what Green Bay did last year drafting three um, fourth round, fifth round, seventh round. You also have Ty Montgomery in the mix there. Um, Packers really like what they have at the position, and certainly the young young man from Northern Illinois will will add to the competition amongst a bunch of uh, young prospects. But um, Green Bay ends up this season with two rookie running backs who both surpassed 400 rushing yards in a season. That's the first time in franchise history that's ever happened yeah. with two rookies. Um, A lot of promise at the position and if all these guys uh, stay healthy, you almost get the feeling that they're not all going to be happy, but that'll be a good thing in a sense. One
1: thing I just want to point out 239 carries 1006 yards eight touchdowns if that would have been one player we would have been talking about a potential Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate. Yep. But that is what Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones gave the Packers in combination this year. Yep. Thunder and Lightning. Unfortunately, due to injury situation, really weren't able to see them work in tandem very often. But they both came up for the team at very important times. You're right. If you're probably a fantasy football owner going into 2018... <laughs> yeah, this is not your favorite situation. This isn't your favorite situation. But I think the thing I really like about what the Packers are doing at this position... I said in an insider inbox very recently. I actually... I was always very critical of what the Patriots did. And the fact that they never really settled... Other than maybe when Corey Dillon was there. They've never really settled on a running back. They always used three, four different guys. But you start to see, as I cover the league more, the method to their madness yep. in New England. And in why... I think it benefits the group. I'm really interested if the Packers can keep these guys healthy, if they could take a similar approach. Because Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, and then obviously Devontae May still in that equation as well, they all give you something different. And if you can get a healthy Montgomery with the kind of playmaker he is and the way that Jamal Williams, how well-rounded he is, the explosiveness of Aaron Jones... I think the possibilities are really endless for that position. The fact that the Packers did set that record this year with two running backs over 400 yards, rushing individually, first time ever, I think that actually speaks to what they've built coming out of that 2017 NFL draft.
0: Yeah, I think I think the thing that I like the most about this stable of running backs, and particularly the, the two rookies in Jones and Williams that produced so well for Green Bay when they were called upon, you hear a lot of times about running backs that that they need to get into a rhythm, get into a flow, get lathered up, however you want to say it, in a game these guys were able to produce without necessarily needing that constant yeah. attention, that constant feeding. They, they go in the game, they get their, they get their number called and they produce for the offense. They help provide the balance, whether it was for Aaron Rodgers at quarterback or Brett Hundley, there was some balance there and it wasn't about necessarily having to feed the same guy, you know, six or seven times on one 10 play drive or something to get him going to get him in the flow. These guys just took what they were given and they got some results.
1: Yeah, and the thing that's impressive about it too is that when there were instances in which they had to be the every down back basically out of attrition at the position, both of those guys stepped up too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that says a lot about them in terms of what their future is going to be in this league because you have to have that dual mindset. You have to be ready to handle the ball 80% of the time if that's what ends up happening due to the game situation. But you also need to be able to be a fast starter if you're only getting that third offensive possession to make the most out of that. Uh, that is a critical, critical part of being an NFL running back. First down, second down, third down, whenever you're sent in there you're able to actually, you know, make the most of it and produce.
0: Yeah, when you look at these guys heading into their second year, Jamal Williams, I think would like to get, you know, maybe more explosive, be able to 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 take some of those eight yard runs and make them more explosive plays. Whereas Aaron Jones, he knows if he can work on his pass protection, yeah. he'll get on the field more and be more reliable in an every down sense. But uh, with that, we've got to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can still find him at Wes Hod. I am still at. Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.